0: Welcome back to the Skits and Giggles podcast. I am Pascal, chief instigator of this show and your host. I'm joined by my co-host and the resident engineer, the yin to my yang, the neeps to my tatties, Bryson. How's it going today, buddy? Farewell, well, Pascal. How are you doing? I'm good. Well, today we are sitting down with Greg Jolliffe, a trail builder from Scotland. Greg is currently based in Switzerland and has most recently been involved in the building of the new Heckler Trail in Zurich. How's it going, Greg? All good, guys. Uh, thanks for having me on. It's nice to talk to you and I'm excited for the, for the chat. All right. Well, also, um, we have uh, another uh, Friday night recording and we have to stick to our habits and do a quick beverage check. Greg, what have you got? Oh, I'm drinking uh Zuri Trails 10-year anniversary
1: beer. One of the beers we've been drinking whilst constructing the trail here in Zurich. So,
0: yeah, it's a nice one. Very nice, Bryson. You got something exciting tonight? Aqua di Berna again?
2: No, not tonight. I, I, I I went down another path. So I'm staring at uh, in the horns of this Stone IPA, our our iconic flagship IPA. So it's an American uh, brew. It's a
0: West Coast IPA, no less. It's a very good one, actually. It is. It's tasty. Well, I am uh, sticking to my Amundsen Ink and Dagger Modern Day IPA as well. So not from Norway, so not from the west coast, but also a very good beer. I'm an IPA fan myself. There you go. So with that all of the way, let's uh, let's just get down to some business and briefly do our spiel with the social and where you guys can find more information about the Skits and Giggles podcast. We are currently most active on Instagram, where you guys can skid right into our deems and follow along at Skits And you can find our website with all the relevant links and info under the URL skitsandgiggles.com. Also, if you guys like what we're doing and want to know what's up, just give us a follow on Spotify, hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you listen to great podcasts. Finally, if you have some time you can uh, ship in a cheeky top rating on your favorite platform and that goes a long way to helping us reach more people like you well seeing that we have an actual trail builder on the show tonight we have a great listener question from my buddy jt again and he says the world is ending what's the one trail you'd go on out on greg what are you saying to this the one trail I'd go out on. You know it's it's
1: probably it's probably a trail I haven't built yet, but I know it's coming. And I have something in the bag which is gonna be Yeah, definitely something to go out on. Maybe. Or maybe it's just gonna get something started, but maybe it'll cure the,
0: the apocalypse. <laughs> okay. Bryson, you got something interesting?
2: Uh well actually recently I um I hit up the uh the local loop here in Bern. So it's called the Bremna Loop, and it's in the uh, Bremgartenwald. It's a almost completely flat root carpet, and at the north end, there's like a little bit of a descent and another climb. Um, and since I've, it's the most recent trail that I've been sessioning, I would just give it balls and uh, see how it goes, or see how many times I go OTV. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice. Anyways, it will be record. Uh, it will be record breaking either way okay
0: very good i'll I'll be looking forward to uh when you send that flat root carpet (laughs) i'll be watching it hopefully can you send me some pov (laughs) all right well thanks for that um i think uh yeah i mean i don't have any anything special or insightful to say i mean i'm pretty transparent about my my love for alpine riding um and uh, JT here, he's uh, also ridden some of my favorite trails with me. So I'm just going to recommend people check out Davos, uh, particularly the area around uh, Jakobshorn. And there are some fantastic trails um, from, uh, you know, pretty flowy and chill. But um, on the other side, towards the uh, Toifey side, there's some pretty spicy um, black diamond, uh, old technical. Uh, janky hiking trail stuff to to be found. So yeah, a very nice zone, and uh, I like to go there a lot uh, in, in in the summer, of course. Um, well, let's uh, move on to the main part for the day, um, Greg. Maybe to get us started, why don't you tell us what kind of mountain biker you are?
1: Okay, what sort of mountain biker am I? Well. That is some question.
0: <laughs> okay, of course so, I stole it from Pinkbike. I, I thought know, it was, I was fantastic.
1: Maybe I've heard that one before, but I haven't came up with an answer yet. So let's see, what sort of biker am I? So I would say I am quite under the radar. You wouldn't see... If you see me riding along a fire road, you would be like, okay, yeah, he's got a nice bike or whatever. But you wouldn't think much. And then maybe because I'm wearing a shirt and some jeans and some old vans and have a big scruffy beard or whatever. They're, that's not going to draw any attention. But yeah, full gas, send anything, try anything. But yeah, just balls to the wall, like Bryson said he would ride that last trail <laughs> when it comes to riding.
0: Okay, well, but I mean, you know, the the mountain biker you are today is, of course, the the sum of your uh, your riding experiences along the way. So, so what made you the mountain biker you are today? What made me? So, I would say, I've I've done a lot of biking,
1: and I've always been biking, and and also building, building trails, and designing and drawing. And biking's been a passion of mine since since I can remember, and it all kind of started from when my granddad took me to a local local woods that he lived at and I I must have been really young not even able to ride a bike and he just took me there and there was people jumping and building thing with sticks and and from then on it's just been like I want to do that and my mum got me a bike and we hand painted it and the first time I did a jump I ran home and I was like oh my god I did a jump I took air I was just so excited doing doing shows and the in the garden for my family, I'd hand out little leaflets I drew up at school, like, come on round, I'm doing some shows, I'm jumping some ramps, and just like a real kid, like super stoked on biking, and I didn't want to do anything else. And, um, yeah, that just escalated, and I started doing some downhill racing, and then, then I looked into, in Scotland, we run a really, really cool program called BASE, and um, I managed to to get a scholarship to do BASE, and BASE is actually run by, uh, or founded by Chris Ball and and Rory Cunningham and Andy Barlow are all working there at BASE, and it's a really cool um, course that the college actually put out there, and, and um, it's, I think it's the only one in the world where you can go to college and get a scholarship in sports science, and the sport being mountain biking, and and train like a proper athlete and, and learn all the science behind it. And um, I, was actually, I was actually at college with Rhys Wilson, who's now the, the world champ, and a few other boys are really really doing some cool things on bikes, and that really taught me a lot of life lessons and, and how, to, how to ride a bike, I guess.
0: Well, what did go wrong? Because, I mean, Reese is now the world champion and, uh, you know, showing off new sessions... Yeah. And and you're just digging trail. Do you know what? I I tried to be
1: a racer and there was always something in the background and my, my creativity was always like carpentry and building things. And yeah, I've always, there was always been something in there and it took me a while to, to go from racing downhill to then at base. I understood like downhill's not for me. I'm going to try enduro and then ended up racing in an Elite and, and Enduro and got some podiums but then I never got the, the big break to get a sponsorship deal which actually didn't bother me. I was quite humbled just riding my bike for fun and 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 then yeah, then it just went from there I guess.
0: Okay, when um when, when was that? I and mean, did you try actually in the EWS when it was still back in Scotland or Yeah exactly. Did you also travel?
1: I never, I never managed to travel. I was, it was all off my own back, and obviously I was at college at the time, so I was just paying for all and working in a little coffee shop called Number One Cafe and in the valley, in the borders of Scotland and Inverleithen, and um, yeah, I, um, no, I never managed. I, I only raced a few home EWSs and like national elite level, but yeah, I really enjoyed it, and and. Um, it actually came to an end because I went to, to uh, work as an apprentice carpenter because I, I realised, look, I'm not, if I'm not going to be a, an enduro racer, maybe I'm going to try and get a trade and get a job which I can travel with. And, and um, carpentry was always a skill of mine. I'd always been very hands-on and creative and loved building things. And, and um, that fit well for me to go and work as a carpenter and, and try and race bikes at the weekend, which eventually never really uh, the racing just went to the sideline and i worked as a carpenter and then one day i just like snapped and i was like <clears throat> i was like i can't do this i need to go and have some fun again and ride some bikes and i shot um pk a dm on instagram and he runs joyride and and whistler and he was like dude if you can get out here you've got all the necessary skills that we need and he gave me a break and i went out and built it joyride and like from working as a carpenter which don't get me wrong was awesome and i learned a lot and those skills took me to joyride if i wasn't a carpenter they wouldn't have had me on or if i couldn't run a machine from from working in the on the building sites they wouldn't they probably wouldn't have had the opportunity to to go to joyride and then from then i was just in dream world in whistler building building the the pinnacle of slope style course and like what i'd looked up to and hanging about with the builders of who had been looking at and yeah. And then my riding just stepped into another gear. I went from an enduro racer on like a stump jumper with um, 150 forks and high rise bars to riding in ripped jeans and shredding with all the boys and and like, yeah, just getting in some insane trains and with some really cool pro riders and Whistler. And yeah, just my riding has been, became very rounded and I wouldn't say I, I have a certain discipline and riding in jeans and a shirt and, give me any bike and i can probably send it
0: all right well i mean uh, how long uh, did you spend in whistler
1: so i was in whistler for two seasons and um well two years actually so i spent the winter as well in the winter i continued as a carpenter building houses and funny enough the guy i worked for chris adario was um a mountain biker too and he was super stoked and whenever there was a big pow day we'd go we'd go snowboarding in the winter which is also a fond hobby of mine but yeah and, and, and Whistler working for PK and hanging out with those guys was just like I was in a dream world and then Covid came round the corner and I had to, had to come back to Scotland and that also opened up some opportunities. It was a little bit sad but once I got into some other things it, I knew that Whistler was just the start of, uh, uh, of my journey in, in biking and building.
0: Well yeah I mean it it sounds like uh you know <laughs> a fantastic start into into that uh in that space um but uh so yeah so you started building for Joyride um and now you know as we said in the intro you finished kind of the the Huckler trail the new project that has just been completed here in Zurich um but between those uh between those two projects there is obviously a couple of uh, different steps um so how did you how did you get into like you know the more formal trail building that you're doing now?
1: Like I said, and um, I, I kind of was the step just by sure coincidence or luck or whatever that PK just gave me the chance to come out and if if he he said if you can get out here then you've got a job and that was like a dream of mine to be a full time trail builder since I was a a little boy like I and from school I would always draw in my jotters and design tracks and, and the parents' meetings, my teachers were like, if he was as good at maths as he was good at drawing bike trails, he would be the top student. Like, I was just drawing and that was just... My creative outlet was just designing bike trails and, and from the beginning and then, yeah, it's, I got my break with Joyride for sure and that's such a big name. And when I came back to Scotland over coronavirus, um, I got involved with a film company called Cut Media. Where have we seen some of Cut Media's work? Cut Media was working with um, mostly with Danny McCaskill there. Stu Thompson was running Cut Cut um, MTB, which is like a racing team, and Joe Barnes was involved back in the day, and he's he's running now a really cool film um, company, and they got me on board when I was back in Scotland during the first lockdown to do a really cool film project with Ollie Wilkins and Ben Deacon, and um, they said to me, look you've been out in Whistler you've built some cool stuff we trust you can you build us a cool trail to to shoot a video and we we're like I was like that's perfect that's exactly what I want to do this is so um yeah I reached out to a local farmer and said to him look let's build so can we build something in your field and funny enough he was stoked on it and I hired his machine from him and I went crazy for three weeks and built a crazy jump line in a field and it looks like it was just perfect and my nice big jumps, and now that video with Ollie Wilkins has got one and a half million views, and that was just a a crazy one. And during that project, my friend Max, who I made this connection in Whistler, and he's now living in Geneva and working for Velo Solutions, got me involved with with Velo Solutions and said, "Greg, we need you out here for this project on the Hockler Hockler Trail in Zurich." And it sounds like a really cool project, and like he knew that. It was going to be a dream team working back with Max again. He's a super good uh, operator, machine operator. We call him Supreme Maxime, um, <laughs> and in the crew on the Hawker we did, and yeah, he's a good guy to work with, and that connection was already made from from Whistler, like I said. But yeah, it just it just kind of um, I just kind of fell into it. it was where I meant to be, and all my friends and family say, "Look, Greg you're in a place where you're you're actually meant to be there. Like this is this is for you and." from from my upbringing and everything this is just it's all been like a bit of a dream and i'm like live, definitely living the dream at times and feeling blessed when i'm in the forest building a crazy berm or really spending some time making something look nice and yes yeah, i don't take it for granted
2: so you're in your element and uh Absolutely. cut media keep cut media rep uh, recognize this yes they come to you or you guys have a talk and you say okay we're gonna build something how does that go down? Like you decide how long you want to make this track, what features you want to have it, and what tricks that they're going to pull off of it? Or do you collaborate with the, the athletes as well? Or what goes through? There is always that sort of collaboration, but for that individual project
1: with Cut Media, they, um, they had a really interesting idea that had never been done before. They wanted to loop the trail, so it looked like an endless loop. The end was the start. So I went scouting through fields and walking for miles on end just to find a location which looked like the start and the finish so that when they got to the bottom, it was the start, and they could just loop it. And I don't know if you've seen it, it's the SAM2 Focus Bikes um, edit for the e-bikes, and their whole idea was, like, you don't have to worry about the ups, it's always down, you can enjoy the downhills. And... Um, yeah, so that was really unique. The trail needed to be about 30 to 45 seconds to to do the three runs and the three cuts all within the time frame for for advertising. So there was a lot of aspects that came into that, but they just said to me, "Build something cool. We trust you and this is this is what we need and it worked out." And it, yeah, they they trusted me and we they were stoked on the end project and so was I and yeah. But now that's gone. We destroyed it. So What was your standout feature for that build? I really liked the shark fin. Like it was an opposite shark fin. It was a kicker into a shark fin. And then you really had to like pop off this big step down into another big step up in this valley. But it was also all getting filmed in one shot. So we had to control the speed. We couldn't have them going too fast. So that section, the camera had to run away and and be ahead of them so that they would catch up and slow down. So we were always playing with the speed, but... I would say that that section of the the three jumps was a key section and that that really made the whole trail.
0: But um the um when you work for for Joyride um I mean is that uh I believe the, the crackworks slope style courses they are pretty much set or do you have any degrees of freedom that you can use to um to build? Oh yeah, like Whistler is
1: a very unique one because the course gets destroyed every year because it 's a ski slope, so the only thing that becomes the same is the the start drop and that gives us a very unique opportunities to build some really unique things and and um, because my carpentry background, I did a lot or the majority of the woodwork working with Wiper, who was the chief of the of the joyride of the boneyard, he would build everything and he'd been doing it for years um, uh, so we worked together and I was running mostly the woodworking side of things and the boner log and all those things but yeah like last year we really changed up the course and made it a different route to to how it was and it's totally it's totally up to us and the guys on the ground to shape it and make it make it perfect and I'll really learn a lot there about how how to really shape a good trail and what makes some things work and you would think we measure things and there's a science behind it, but it's just gut feeling, and it's just these these guys know these guys know that that's going to work before they even hit it, and, and uh, I'm slowly getting to that level where I can look at a jump and understand that that's going to work, and working with different soils and materials, and you know how hard it is, and yeah, like it. There's a lot of variables, but it's completely go where you like, and that's the the beauty of the the boneyard and Whistler, and I learned like I said I learned so much from being there and that that created me into the trail builder that I am now
0: okay but um yeah so far I mean it's uh, now a couple of years of trail building Um you know what is uh what is your personal highlight so far which one are you the most proud of wow so the hawker trail is definitely something I'm really really proud of
1: because it's the most recent also joyride like I'm never going to forget that but the film project for um cut media also a crazy highlight. It's difficult to put my finger on one because they're they're different, but on their own way, and yeah i would I would say I'm still waiting for that there's st- there's going to be something in the pipeline which is going to be the the highlight of or well, I don't know I, I don't know how to answer that right mean,
0: you already you already have a, a trail that's called after you, so
1: oh yes, I think you
0: you know. Eternalized yourself <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah for sure so at base that's also kind of where it started and some of the tracks got used in races and yeah we we um, when we weren't riding or training in the gym and we'd be in the woods building some illegal trails which are now most, some of the most popular trails in in the valley of of where we all studied and did our did our practical side of the the base program so yeah
0: I mean that's obviously something i'm uh i'm my well, base of course is uh you know now pretty pretty famous of course chris Paul is very famous lord lord oh ball man. of the enduro yeah um but um the whole trail building scene in Scotland i think is very interesting we've talked about it a little bit before we started recording is um you just mentioned it that uh it used to be pretty much uh illegal unsanctioned trails and and now they're um there, there's a bit more infrastructure around it so maybe can you talk a little bit about how how that works in scotland
1: yeah yeah so yeah there's a lot of uh, it all started from just people going into the hills and building something else and making little lines in between the established trails and then going into the woods and building stuff but there was a, there's always a bit of a gray area when you're doing that because the land's owned by the queen and and as we joke around and we say that the Queen loves biking and it's the same in Canada but now um more charities and associations are popping up and they're taking care of the trails and and, and um putting a proper name and take and making sure that they're sustainable and and legalising it all and and they're the, the governing bodies who are approaching the commissions, the forestry commissions and saying, Okay, these trails can these trails can stay. There's no problem to have these people in the forests and and um they're not they're not causing any hazards or they're and they're actually helping the forestry guys by making a route in to understand what's going on and people become more aware and it's it's better with the trails than it is destroying them and and fighting each other but yeah there's there's good charities and stuff all coming into play now and Scotland's starting to to understand that
0: um, when you talk about sustainability of trails, right, of course, sustainability is a big buzzword um, this, at this yeah. stage uh, in the world. Oh, yes. Um, and, of course, uh, the, the, the sustainability always means uh, different things in different contexts. So mm-hmm. what does sustainability mean in the context of a trail? So uh, I would say,
1: obviously, trails are built with... Them mostly natural materials and and i would like to think that the best way to build a trail is to use your materials what you have around in your local vicinity not not bringing down special gravel that is imported or anything like that because that's not going to help the wildlife or the the ground or anything and um but building sustainably is also using materials that aren't going to wash away like you don't want to use your topsoil or your humus or your plants or you you want to get that stuff away and Really, um make sure the water has a way to go the The, the thing I'm always working towards is having the water escape or have, a, have an exit strategy for the water. Stagnant water is the thing that destroys trails, and even if the water's on the trail as long as it's moving, that's, that's one of the things that we learn as long as it's moving and it's not staying where it staying in one spot, then the trail, the trail will last a lot longer. Because water isn't actually a bad thing. You want water to keep the trail compact, and um, you don't want it to be too dry. And yeah, and yeah, keeping it sustainable. And it's also knowledge as well. People need to understand and um, understand when to ride the trails and when to when to not ride the trails and understand the the locals as well. It's all yeah.
2: That brings up a question from my side, because you have the old adage that says, uh, you know, when the trails are when the trails are wet, don't ride them. You know, you're mm. going to destroy them. And of course, it doesn't apply to every trail. It doesn't. Now, how much does that apply to the Hokka Trail with your advanced knowledge and techniques of building? So the Hokka Trail
1: was really, really clay material. And that obviously doesn't react well with water. It just becomes like a skating rink. But when you go to some other resorts, higher alpine stuff that you love to ride, Pascal, um, is more rocky and gravelly and those sort of things come alive when it's wet. You want to ride that stuff when it's wet because it just becomes grippy and and stuff like that and it's, it's um, yeah, you really have to work with the elements of the soil and that's one thing as a trail builder like, you have to um, work with what you're given and I don't want to bring in too much gravel or rocks from around and I want to try and use the soil as best as we can, and knowledge of the people as well is also a good thing, but you're always going to get people who go and ride and and stuff, but we try to build stuff which you can ride in all conditions'cause it's it's mountain biking at the end of the day. You need to get muddy, you need to slide around, and if you come out of the bottom of the trail with mud all down your back, you know you've you know you've had a ride out for sure that's what it's about yes. It is mountain biking, so you can't go too precise. But really, learning the dirt jump style of things and how they shape and how they re- religiously don't ride when it's wet, um, and religiously take care of the jumps when it's dry, is is something which is definitely a, a take to to building even enduro trails or natural sections. I'm always it's a skill which is you can use across the board to keeping trails sustainable for sure.
2: So yeah taking the dirt jump analogy as an example um let's say you know it rains we got a couple of days of rain in zurich and uh you know got some guys riding through because it's, maybe it's their only day they can ride you know forgiven for sure um are we going to see you back on the hookler like shaping a little bit putting a little bit of maintenance in how's that how's that going to work out
1: absolutely although i am the project is over and the velo solutions and us guys are out of there now and we've moved on that I don't want to for a a project like that for me I can't just get up and leave that's always going to be part of me now because I've been there from the start to the finish so I'm going to go back and help out the guys and volunteer my time to to keep the trail going because I love to ride that trail that trail's got elements in there that even at an experienced like it's an expert trail it's, it's supposed to challenge everyone and there's gaps and there's jumps and there's stuff in there that I've not hit yet and there's some lines and yeah that's yeah it's going to keep me going back and I don't want to just run away and um, do away with the money or whatever it's not about that for me I'm doing it for the love I want to I want to build a nice trail and show my face and be a part of it and I wish I could have been here for longer to understand more of the history and maybe I might have yeah I might have done some things the other way around or whatever if I'd known more but I think I've, we've done the best that we could with the situation and we've given the Zurich guys a really nice trail that we're super stoked about and I wouldn't change anything myself.
2: Well, if you stick around a little bit I'm sure you'll learn a little bit more about uh, Zurich and the riding culture. Yes. In fact, uh, I guess while you're on the trail building you must have run into some of the local rippers. Oh, yes. Uh, what's the kind of feedback you got? Of course, they're going to be you know, super uh, gelled up because, you know, they're riding basically a Zurich version of a joyride course. But Of course, what do they yeah. Say?
1: Like, the feedback is... You're always going to get some controversial feedback, but the 99% of the feedback has been awesome. The people come down to the bottom of the trail and they're like, dude, this is insane. I can't... There's, I'm going to... like People just want to keep coming back because they've not hit a line. They've not hit the road gap. They've not hit this and that this trail is at, at first you can roll down it and you can hit everything and say okay I've done that trail but if an experienced rider can look at the trail and be like okay right you can jump this to there oh my god you can jump that to here it's just a really playful trail with a lot of hidden lines and yeah the feedback has, has been really good on that side of things and it's a it's aimed at the good riders and the good riders are giving us really positive feedback and and saying that things work really smoothly and and um yeah they're really enjoying it which is awesome for me to hear and sometimes I can't even express how much how good it makes me feel when I, I see people or even when I've been working there, I've been hearing people scream on the way down like, Oh my god, that trail's amazing or whatever and it just just keeps that fire going inside me to build a really nice trail and I'm a rider myself of course so I want to do a good job and build a nice trail because I'll be riding it as well. And I want to, like I said, I don't want to just run away and I want to show face and help the guys out and show them how we did it.
2: Maybe you want to highlight uh, one of the most difficult portions of the trail uh, to develop or to, to build rather than to ride. So most of the trail
1: was machine built, but at the second section halfway down was quite steep and obviously we couldn't take a machine into there to... to um. Do the heavy lifting. So a lot of that was heavy lifting by hand, and we run into water issues and problems with the ground. And yeah, it was it was a technical section. We ate up a lot of time because it was all brought in by hand, and the wooden bridges, carpentry stuff takes typically a lot longer to build. And and um, I was the the solo carpenter there, and I just had a a little bit of help here and there when it was needed. So it was yeah the the middle section I like to call it the three bridges section because yep there's three bridges <laughs> and um but that was all by hand and we wanted to give the guys something which was natural and which resembled the the harikiri style of trail which is natural and roots and loam and and has a has a really technical style and and um yeah which that's not so sustainable as a machine-built trail but everybody loves to ride a, a natural section which is cut up and and it's going to change over time.
0: All right. Well, that's actually uh, um, something I'm really interested in because you know we've we've already touched on the um, sustainability um, issue of trails, and um, you know with a with the trail for advanced riders or expert riders, as you called it, is of course you know those are typically um, you know. T- not very much reinforced they are changing all the time they are very natural they are you know the people are building some more and there's erosion and stuff like that so how do you manage that on a on a trail project like this?
1: So the good thing about this trail project was that we were working with Zuri trails and Zuri trails are going to have the guys there and some volunteers dedicate their time to take care of the trail and, and in the past we've done some digging days and we've brought people in and some of the last sections of the trail are all by volunteers, all hand built and, and we worked with the volunteers to, to build them and educate them and that's why I'd like to volunteer my time to keep going back, to just keep the education going and, and passing through and also it's a lo- it teaches me as well just through teaching and then I can, yeah then then the people can better understand of how how it's built and why we built it that way and why things are shaped like that and yeah that creating the the knowledge and sharing the knowledge is is also a really good way to keep the sustainability of trails and 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 obviously the Zuri trails guys who are who did all the planning from the start are are dedicated to do the the maintenance and do the follow up and yeah those guys are going to keep it going
0: uh, and we had um, well one of our first episodes uh, was uh, with Robin Schaub and uh, apart from working uh, at Onza at the time uh, he's also very involved in the local uh, trail building community and uh, what I found one of the most interesting insights is that um, on one of their trail building projects that they built uh, the bike trail time. I don't know if you've um, heard or seen it before but uh one of the interesting things I thought was that they actually installed a traffic measurement system. Uh, so they know exactly, you know, how many people are on the trail, how many are using it, uh, they can use that data um to you know as evidence for for future trail projects, etc. Um because again, you know, it's always easier to convince with evidence than it is with yes. hearsay. Exactly. Um is um is there also something like this in the, the new Hercule trails do you have a feeling for what kind of traffic this trail is getting or absolutely
1: um the the Zuri trail guys estimated that there'd be about twenty thousand rides a year but I think we're already thinking there's going to be more um which initially I didn't anticipate but it's it's awesome to see that but yes there's actually a, a trail counter as well on the trail so we've been looking at the numbers and because we've gradually opened up the sections over time we've been understanding what the 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 traffic is like and when they ride and and um yeah the just uh, the typical riding riding times of the people for sure it's it's obviously good data to look at and to understand what sort of traffic the trail's going to get and how that's going to impact the development of it over time
0: oh yeah i mean and for for you as vela solutions or as a trail builder uh it's some interesting data to to correlate with uh trail erosion with the soil with uh you know how stuff is developing how the the woodwork is holding up etc right so yeah
1: yeah for so. sure and we can over time we'll be able to i don't actually know where the who's got the data maybe it's suri trails um but yeah um we'll definitely be able to correlate that number and understand and look back and see okay so that's how many riders have been on it and learn from that and be able to maybe do something different in the future with it and it's always good to look at the data but sometimes you just have to go by feel and really trust your instinct and build what you feel like you can build and when you're working with the elements in the elements in the snow and the rain you just have to that's when you really know what to build and what you can get away with and that's why it was a good time to build in the fall last year to start the project when the ground was really wet because then we see all the problems and and um, we we minimise what problems will occur in the future.
0: Oh yeah, for sure. And I mean, it's uh, yeah. I mean, personally, I'm interested to see how um, you know, just the general traffic on the Hitlerburg, which of course is the one of the closest riding zones for Zurich city. Um, how that is gonna develop uh, over the next couple of months, especially during the summer, and uh, you know if it's gonna take away. How much of the traffic it's going to take away from the the first one, the Antenna Trail, and um, you know how many are actually going to use the the, the new Heckler Trail? So again, you know, it's interesting. I I'm, I'm really curious to see how it uh, how it's uh, developing. Yeah,
1: yeah. I'll need to find out who's got the numbers so we can share them with you guys.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Ooh, dada. Of course, you know this all. You know sounds very very positive so far and um but uh, have you also heard some some negatives some some kind of concerns
1: there's always concerns and people are always going to ask and and question well what's what's going to happen how is it going to be sustainable and is this going to be worn away and and yeah you just have to back those up with your your reasons why and why we've built it such in a certain way but yeah the majority of the guys have been super stoked and the 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 building of the trail was awesome. We worked with some really nice people. The forestry guy Corseen was super helpful and gave us everything we needed. And the planning was awesome. And Dave and the guys and the 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 guys at Zuri Trails who put in all that work behind the scenes and put in all those years to to build it and plan it was is is going to pay off. And yeah, the guys who are who are maybe have a little grudge and say it's a gravel road or say these things and. Yeah, that's those things are gonna, gonna change over time, and we've built it a certain way so that it can, can can last as long as it can possibly do and hold up to all these riders.
0: Well, I did actually put that in my notes. The new Heckler Trail is a glorified gravel road with a few gnarly features in the jump line. Changed my mind. <laughs> oh man, it is. Uh, there is definitely gravel in there. I'm going to tell you, there's gravel. There
1: has to be gravel so that it, it can be. It can stay where it is, and it, the shapes don't fall away over time. But although the the Utleyberg is mostly clay, clays are a great thing to work with because when it dries and sets up, it's not going to go anywhere. Like it's it's a solid structure. But obviously, like we touched on, in the wet, it becomes pretty difficult to ride, and and that's why most of the sections are covered in gravel. And where the sections that we felt that you could maybe get away with not so much gravel and a little bit of rock here and there and kept it natural. Um, that's where we did it, where the trees got tighter and the ground got steeper so the water would always be moving and it would dry up fast. It might not be rideable for one day. The next day it will be. So, yeah.
2: I think uh, one of the burning questions is, um, it's really close to an ecologically sensitive area, if not Absolutely through. Um, yeah, what's your, uh, what's your opinion on how to manage those kinds of topics? So, like I touched on before, we worked
1: well with the forestry guy, and obviously, the planning stage took so long, it maybe took five or six years, and then two years, including the two years with Velo Solutions, to really get things moving. And the numerous times the guys hiked up and down to make sure they weren't in and out. That really dictated where the trail needed to go as well so we were also working with those factors and we, when I'm digging a trail it's, I'm always looking for the water the wildlife and the trees in the surrounding areas. I don't know I want to build a cool trail for the riders too but I do like to look at the bigger picture and make sure it's going to work for for other things and we're not going to disrupt any other habitats and if we do run into an issue like that we'll come together and we'll make a decision and Sometimes we will change the line and, and those decisions were made on the Hawker Trail to, to avoid wet areas and to avoid areas where there was um, more precious trees to be looked after. But it didn't really, um, it al- almost changed the trail for better because we don't want to go into those wet areas anyway.
2: Yeah, I'm with your insight and of course the organisation of Zuri Trails, I'm sure that uh, those sensitive areas are going to be uh, well taken care of. Absolutely.
1: Hmm. Yep, yep, and sadly the the Harikiri Trail is now now being closed, which is a shame. But I hope the the riders are gonna go and ride the new trail and enjoy it. And yeah, the the spirit and the history of the Utleyberg will carry on. And I hope the people don't don't aren't upset for too long, and they can find these these new gaps and find the fun in the in the new trail.
0: Absolutely. Um, of course that's some future sound and uh you know speaking of the future what uh what does your future hold are you gonna stick around in switzerland uh you know i understand you're with well Solutions. Are you just banging out more trails more pump tracks more everything yeah um for me
1: I'm um, i'm just kind of living in the moment and if something else pops up i'll go and do it but i definitely have an ambition and My ambition at the moment and I've been telling a lot of people and everyone I speak to and I'm pretty driven towards building a little off-grid cabin uh, back in Scotland or somewhere like that and and just building like a crazy jump line and or not even a jump line just like a crazy trail and and stuff like that that's like an ambition of mine if maybe if corona was to continue and it was just like the corona was the new normal I would go and do that but now that things are maybe changing and travel is becoming more opportun- uh, open again and or hopefully is going to be, then, yeah, I'm only young, so maybe I'll keep travelling and keep gaining skills. And, yeah, I really want to master this as as a trail builder and I'm just on the start of my journey here. So I'm excited to see what it has and, yeah, there's definitely going to be some some cool projects, I hope, at least. um, Yeah, I feel like I've got it in me to build something, something nice.
0: The, uh, but what kind of uh, zones are you interested in the most to, to further your skills, right? So, you know, you've worked in Whistler, you've worked in Scotland, you worked here. Um, but there is obviously, certainly in Europe, on the mainland, there is very, very many different zones where there's very different uh, trail building cultures. You know, I'm thinking of, you know, Italy, France, Spain. And one of my personal favorites is Portugal. Um, some made- Madeira, the mountain bike paradise island in the middle of the Atlantic. Um, so, what uh, what kind of zones are you interested in the most for yourself?
1: Yeah, obviously those those zones are like right up there for me. But traveling further afield, like Australia or New Zealand, is also up there. And some of the connections I made in Whistler, the guys are out there in New Zealand, like Phil McLean and Kenny Day, who's working for Dirt Art in Australia. and like sometimes I see that there are are looking for guys, and maybe I'm going to write them an email one day and say, "I'll come out. I know Kenny. Let's build some trails." You know, and I think my my CV is growing quite quickly with these projects, and I'll be able to I'll have the opportunity to maybe do those things, which is really nice. And of course, I'm going to take them if I can get it, and I'd be stupid not to to go out and and travel and build and and stuff like that. But I, I just want to do it for the love of it. I, I don't want to for me I, I don't it doesn't matter about what i just want to put it, all my effort into it and be there from the start to the finish and um yeah it's it's nice that Vela solutions are giving me the opportunity to do a lot more trail projects and and only a few pump tracks here and there which is i really I cherish that and I, I appreciate it and i'm definitely sticking around this summer but i can't tell you where i'll be next summer but probably probably doing something else
0: okay Well, you are now based in Switzerland and this is a a podcast based in Switzerland and we like to talk about riding in Switzerland. So I do hope you had some chance already, apart from the only uh, Heckler Trail, uh, to to ride a little bit in your current home. Um, So what were your impressions so far?
1: It's awesome. It's a really nice country, the hills and the Alps and yeah, Canada was like my pinnacle to go to, and then Switzerland was definitely up there on the list. Like maybe, maybe not second, but definitely up there on the list. So I'm, I'm stoked. But obviously, I've not been here for long, and I've devoted all my time to being on that hill and being up in the the woods of the Utleyberg and and I've been totally fine with that. But obviously, I wanna wanna go and explore and ride some of the big routes, like the Verbier to Zermatt route is on my list for this summer, and do a lot more exploring. Yeah, realistically, I've not actually done done much riding here. Which I've ridden some nice dirt jump spots and, and stuff like that with some of the guys. But yeah, the the riding is yet to come for me here.
0: Oh, we definitely have to put uh, an alumni ride together at some stage, Bryson. It's happening. It,
2: it's happening. Corona it, be damned.
0: Exactly. I think at this stage we have too many. We have too many
2: people for it's, our it's alumni ride. It's going to have to be two rides, really. <laughs> exactly. We have to make two. Oh, dang, the invite's in the mail, Greg.
0: <laughs> all right well you have uh some uh some plans for switzerland but uh you know apart from whistler you have ridden a lot but uh you know what what else has been the most impressive riding you've done so far or the most uh, the most interesting zones you've ridden so far so far as
1: in my time i've spent here or my no, time just generally
0: as a in your in your lifetime as a mountain biker what made you the mountain biker
1: oh man uh, the trails in scotland for sure the The trails there are just insane and I can't highlight enough for the people to go and if you love if you love enduro and, and, and love like riding all kinds of trails and more natural hand-built stuff you need to go to Scotland and I am actually really missing Scotland and I'm always watching the base Instagram videos and the dirt school and uh, all my friends back in Scotland and I couldn't say that I would say that that's the the best place uh, and i'm missing it a lot and i want to go back and and ride there with everyone so i would recommend that to anyone to go and ride in scotland
0: oh well maybe you should make a a return to uh to enduro racing in uh beginning of october when the EWS returns to in yeah
1: yeah maybe i should maybe i'll need to to write speak to the guys and and get out there for sure it would be awesome
0: absolutely well maybe we can uh, we can team up and go to your number one cafe or whatever it was called
1: oh yes Craig and Emma will be delighted to see me it's it's there's such a funny bunch in there and yeah and and the guys who all live there and who I went to college with would oh man they're always always shouting and hollering and saying come on back out come riding I want to go riding with you again so I think we'd get a warm welcome I'd be a good guy to know for sure, Pascal. That's for sure. If you came to Innerleithen or to Scotland, I very think. good.
0: I'll, I might take you up on that. We do have some family out there, so you know, maybe I can sneak in a little bike trip on the next family visit.
1: Yeah, you just need to make sure I'm there and not in some woods building something crazy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> exactly, off grid in your. Oh cabin. Man.
1: <laughs> off, that's it. That would be that's a that's
2: a dream. That's also a nice dream um Scotland and uh basically the whole of UK like Surrey Hills and all those places have always been on my list um since I was even living in Canada you know I was seeing those videos from Brendan Faircloth, Ollie Wilkins, those guys. Exactly it uh just like they cut they cut the turns into the hill themselves oh, I'm just yeah. like yeah like why wouldn't I try that like of course yes um but yeah I'm 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 actually also looking forward to getting out there that's that sounds yeah.
0: like
1: uh, it's a good place time. To be. Yeah, it's
0: a good time. Well, we're getting towards the end of our time here. So uh, let's just go to our uh, closeout question, if that's okay. Um, we have a couple of those, and uh, we like to go through with all of our guests. And uh, the first one is uh, tell us a little bit about uh, not only about you as a mountain biker, but tell us about that first bike that got you really stoked about riding.
1: Wow. So I, I touched on it before, but it was definitely that green, green monkey bike that me and my mom painted together. And I did my first send. I first got air on it and I didn't even take the bike home. I just left the bike and ran. I was that stoked. I just like, oh, my God, I jumped this thing. So, yeah, that would be the, the first bike that got me stoked on riding.
0: Very nice. Um, imagine you're Harry Skidini, and you're a bike magician extraordinaire. And you can make riding a bike more awesome for anyone by the stroke of a magic dropper post. What would you do?
1: Wow yep. So I would make, obviously I'm a trail builder and that's where my passion lies. So I've got to do something with trails, right? So yeah, I would um, I would grant everybody's wish for their dream trail to be accessible and, and sustainable for everyone. And they, everyone can enjoy it. There's the fire pits and there's the, the viewing platforms, and it's just like, yeah, the dreams are coming true for everyone. And uh, yeah, something along those lines. Dream trails for everyone.
2: Boom. Number three. Okay, so let's put yourself uh, in the situation. You're, you're going to shrink yourself down to the size of somewhere between a grain of sand and an ant. Yeah. And you are looking up at the berm. And you see some trail riders coming down, some, some steezy jeezies. And they're just like slicing the trail up. From your perspective and your opinion, what makes a great skid? What makes a great skid? A great skid
1: is one where you're like completely out of control and your both wheels are locked up and the gravel's going everywhere or whatever it is you're riding. And then you just let off at the last minute and just like whoa, in the turn the skid and that fear on your buddy's face and you can just feel it from your gut you're like oh my god and then you just make it and you just lose lose your beans like you said the ten of beans explodes and you're just like oh my god you survived that is the skid that just fires me up and makes you want to do one
0: wow that's fantastic
1: yeah completely locked up both breaks <laughs>
0: nice well greg thanks so much for your time and sitting down with us tonight this was really really cool um if uh, listeners have any questions or want to learn more about you and your work um where can they find you
1: so mostly i'm posting all my stuff on insta i'm always updating my little stories on when i'm in the woods and i like to do that stuff just for my own thing because it's like oh i like to look back and see the photos of how it developed as well and yeah I, I, I like to share those things with people so it's just greg greg jolliffe on instagram um yeah but i'm also on facebook and pink bike and i actually posted like a, a gopro preview of the pink of the Hawker trail on pink bike and did some photos and a little write-up and I used to like doing that stuff for the racing and, and writing blogs and things, just just as like a little re- reminder and memory. Even if only a few people see it, it's still it's something for me to look at to remind myself. So pink bike is all. It's all Greg Jolliffe.
0: All right, sweet. We'll have to put that up in the uh, in the show notes, and uh, so people can find it. And so hopefully a couple of more people, so maybe two or three, are reading it instead yes. of one or two. <laughs> and uh, yeah so well thanks again this was really cool and uh, yeah well talk to you soon hopefully in person hopefully right yeah in. let's go biking great yeah, it was actually. a true pleasure it was a yeah, pleasure yeah man it was
1: super nice to hang out with you guys cool guys cheers
0: right, thanks cheers. for letting me
1: tell a little bit of my story
0: absolutely cheers see you on the trails see ya